you side. Welcome to Let's Talk, a place for open conversations. IMG Models and Fashion is a powerhouse talent agency representing top names in the field. President Ivan Bart talks about the necessary work to foster inclusion. Also, renowned fashion and beauty model Emily Dittonato is globally recognized for her work representing Maybelline, Ralph Lauren, Giorgio Armani, Victoria's Secret, and Sports Illustrated Swimsuit, as well as a host of other leading brands. For decades, Ivan Bart has been a leader at IMG, beginning as a creative director and now president. IMG is a giant, an industry innovator, a massive brand itself. Under his mentorship, ING has been responsible for creating talent whose household names are brands themselves. Ivan Bart, thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. You've been in the industry for so long. I want people to understand a little bit what's that journey like and how did you land into this prominent spot as the president of ING? I've been at IMG for 25 now plus years. I don't think I was really committed to uh, the job for many years. And uh, I studied psychology. I thought I wanted to be in the helping field. I found myself in a job in a PR firm that had a modeling agency. And from there, a career was born. But it really took me 10 years before I really understood what the job actually was. And, you know, for me, I was like being in fashion, going to parties, how great. And there were so many things about the industry at the time that I didn't like. I didn't like the sex, drugs, rock and roll. There was a little bit too much. I didn't like how things were handled. And it it was an aha moment 10 years into the industry as I kept saying, I'm only doing this for another year and then I'm going to go back to the helping field. I realized that the opportunity was if I wasn't in the industry, I couldn't affect the change that was needed and I couldn't be there to help mentor people, protect people, that's why I stayed in the industry. And then I found a home at, with IMG, multifascinated, multi-hyphenated, way before its time, filled with sports and other opportunities. And then when Endeavor came on board with WME, so much more with entertainment. And, and so I feel like we're very poised and ready to handle the modern world and this moment in time with technology, entertainment, multi-hyphenated talent, et cetera, et cetera. But it was a journey, and finding yourself is always a journey. You came to IMG as a creative director in the very beginning, and from there, you took the helm as a president of the company. As a creative director at that time, what were your vision, and what would you like to have hope change during that time? Well, the funny story is, actually, um, I didn't ask for a title. It was like, they were so excited that I was coming. They were like, what, what title should we do? And I was just like, worker, person. I was like, not about that. I wasn't about the title. But then I was thinking about it. I said, okay, if I want a title, you know, and that I was tasked to uh, giving a vision and a creative direction for the company, that why not a creative director? It was the, the, I only saw a creative director in publishing, in, in magazines. And I was thinking, oh, I want to be a creative director. So I actually asked, that's what I want to be. So I started there and then, you know, we became very successful. In order to elevate other people too, 
you know, your title changes because you should give other people titles as well. So it's about mentoring and everything. So at some point I became president. I'm very happy to hand that over. <laughs> well, it's very apropos to have that title because we know that in fashion and modeling and aging and being, or even the title of president, it, we're working with human beings with emotions. It is not selling a good, we're selling a brand and we are really putting faces of people out there, how they represent themselves. And I think being in a creative position is first most important because you have to be creative in order to shepherd people along and able to create household names like Giselle and, and Alec Wack and, and people to, to continue to build their brand over the years. So I think that's the best title. I actually like creative director better than president. But, you know, being a creative director, too, is like actually being part of the hiring process and who is it that we're hiring and what are their visions and are they aligned with our vision? And the result of our great roster comes from the team itself and their relationships with people like yourself, because it was people like you who actually helped elevate the conversations of many of our talent. Well, and we need I, I, people like you. I thank you so much. And then and, and a pivotal point, I think IMG and I really grew together. As a young photographer, you really do rely on somebody who truly believes in you. And that doesn't start with a magazine, actually. It starts with model agencies who recognize you have the ability to photograph their models beautifully and celebrate them. In the years I've worked with IMG, I have seen sweeping changes in the industry, especially the incredible shift to celebrating all sizes. My relationship with the IMG team really took shape when I began collaborating with Kate Upton and working with her agent, Lisa Benson. Our relationship really grew strong with Kate Upton. And that was a really incredible, beautiful relationship because I know at that time that I recognized Kate when she was 16. She was everything beautiful, sexy, the way I thought a model would be. And I was always a commercial photographer who loved commercial work. But I remember at that time that it wasn't until Lisa, who really believed in her, and you were right behind her to really put her in the forefront of, of model casting. And I think that was really important. I want to talk about that because I want your reaction on when you guys made that conscious decision, this is what we should be celebrating for women what was the industry like in their response to your well, well, first of all, I think, you know, for Kate, you know, it's all about personality. And, you know, she's electric and she walks into a room and, you know, everybody would stop. And, you know, again, I'm going to credit also uh, our scouting and development team. You know, there was somebody who came in and said, you know, there's a girl here who has a very different body type and, um, you know, but I think you're going to love her personality. And sure enough, like we walked in and, and we all fell in love. And Kate, you know, the, the, the average size is 10. She's far below that. I mean, you know, she's just sample size. So she was just curvy. Why we had to like convince people, I don't even know. Because again, you're selling her personality. Uh, Lisa was fantastic. And then you guys working with uh, Sports Illustrating, going all around the world and you know, you, you created even better imagery. And again, you got to rely on the talent also selling themselves. And there's a lot of beautiful people out there, but who actually makes it to the forefront are the people that stand out, like the one that you remember. And as a photographer yourself, you can choose anybody you want to go on a trip for five days. You're going to think about who do I really want to spend five days with? Okay. And so 
there's a reason why there are a certain amount of people who are stars and it's the people that actually uh, actually have the personality and, and, and then having our team, you mentioned Lisa, going out there, finding the right opportunities, getting them into further doors, elevating the conversation. But we have so many great people that also have worked with us for such a long time. That it's such a great group of people. And I, I really do say, we all know every day that we are part of a greater whole and that everybody contributes. Everybody has something to bring and we all have different viewpoints and together we're better. We're better together. It's not, I don't just take the credit for it. It's for everybody. MG as a brand as a whole, absolutely, we got to see pivotal movements happen with body positivity. You know, just a year and a half after K. Upton's few covers and of Sports Illustrated, and then we have this birth of this incredible woman, Ashley Graham, who I love dearly to my heart, and be able to sit next to her on the show, American Beauty Star, was such an honor. And I think that all has to attribute to the ethos of the company because truly before then that we know that other agencies will have a division called plus size and you just considered the women are plus size and that was their effort of making inclusion of different sizes matter but i know that there was definitely an initiative there was a turn of the tie about 2014 that img really made that choice to say that we're going to ignore size we're going to ignore age and we're also going to ignore height and we're going to look for people that can really represent themselves and as a brand. And, and I think that messaging is so important. And, and that change started a new wave of this industry. And at the same time, that's when Instagram and social media became incredibly prevalent and powerful. How did you see the model industry start to change during that time? First of all, I think it comes with experience too. My own experience, the fact that, you know, I, I'm in that position now where people can tell me what they want like even from a casting point of view, I think I have a lot of experience. I can say, you know, maybe this is what you need. And also doing a good job because we're selling also. And so like, you know, I, I would sell an idea. Now, I just felt you got to keep up with the times too. And my feeling was looking at people were online more, people were, had everything on their, in their phone and that the globalization of fashion and my feeling is that unless you see yourself, you're not interested in the brand. Everybody needs to be represented. So we needed to diversify our talent roster. And that meant size, age, race, gender, starting with just even relaunching our men's division. All of these things that started happening led to the diversification of our talent roster. But what do we hear about all day long now? Diversity, inclusion, diversity, inclusion. My feeling is inclusion. That's what we really need to be focusing on. Inclusion. It says on my, my Instagram page, through fashion imagery, we can affect social change. You know, memo to all brands. Diversify. Diversify means profitability. And it means also a united global community. And, and these are very important things now more than ever. We need to hold brands accountable for representing diversity. And that can only begin when model agencies recognize the need to expand their talent rosters to include all colors, ages, and sizes. This also comes from placing people in position to scout and mentor talent who are diverse as the talent.
being an Asian American, I'm always going to look in a mirror and hope the world will evolve and change more, more inclusive, right? And through this crazy time, I have never felt more Asian in my life and never been more aware of how important inclusion should be. And not just in the modeling industry, when all different industries. I do go across different agencies' website and see how many Asians do they represent and how many Black people they represent, how many Indian people represent. Because it doesn't mean that every single one of the jobs will be right for that model. But the idea, the notion that they're celebrating different color and different sizes is so important to me because I want to work with agencies who have that, that, that DNA in them. And I think that's what we begin to see evolving around the world. And I think... It takes a powerhouse like IMG to, to make those decisions. And I, I see that clearly. I see it with Ashley Graham, not just a model, as a brand ambassador. To me, that's a 360 of modeling, right? I hope model agency out there will learn and foster that in all the models they represent. Well, and, and for us, really embracing, you know, embracing our own curves and uh, bringing in the curve movement. I mean, we have discovered so much great talent out there to like, the brands are like look at Marquita Ping right now in uh, Sports Illustrated. Precious Lee is in the Mew Mew campaign and Italian Vogue. The roster of our curve talent has grown and it's really been a very important business for us. I'd never liked the word uh, plus size. We, I mean, I feel like things should be sexy. And, you know, like when you get into naming things, it's all just becomes like labels. Sexy is good. So curves was great. And then, you know, we were looking at men, you know, not every gentleman out there has a 28, 30 inch waist. So we, you know, we, we found uh, Zach Miko and started a, a, a brawn division. It was interesting trying to figure out what we had curve and we were like, well, what would our men be called? And somebody said king size, which I said, I'm not quite sure how that will be perceived. Um, and somebody said brawny. And I said, well, I, unfortunately, that's already a brand. <laughs> but what about brawn? And we looked up in the dictionary, brawn meant physical strength. What man, what woman wouldn't want to be defined by physical strength? So brawn felt like the right term for uh, a group of men who are in larger sizes. That's it. And, and also the fashion community. We all want to be included. I mean, I frankly would like to wear a lot of luxury brands. I don't always fit. Or the size is like so huge that you almost get discouraged. Like, I don't even want to put like the triple X on. So like, I really think that it's a good opportunity right now for all brands to think about who your consumer is, who is aspiring to you and actually servicing them and reaching out to them. And our job is to make sure that we have the talent that's diversified enough for all the brands to come to. We make excuses, right? We're like, oh, we will, we try to cast black models, but there wasn't enough to pick from, or there wasn't enough Asian that fall into the categories we want. And this is something that happened 10 years ago when we were casting. When we look for models with diversity, it was hard. It was rare. For me, who have worked in the Asian market for so long, and I remember eight years ago trying to cast Asian models for cover of a magazine like Harper's Bazaar. It was difficult. There were five Asian models and they worked with Steven Mazel and that was it. And everybody else fall invisible. I'm so glad and see that movement have passed. 
that we're now celebrating photographers who are diverse as well, right? We're celebrating women photographers who will bring a different perspective when they photograph women or men. And I also recognize diverse people representing the diverse people on the board. I think that is so important. Well, look, but we also can do better. What this moment in time has really made myself very aware of, it is not just only our job to diversify the talent roster, but to diversify the industry itself, that we need to support photographers like yourself, black photographers, women photographers, uh, people of color. We need to support the photographers, the stylists, the hair, the makeup, and we need to also diversify the office more because if you are a talent of color, you go on a set and everybody's all white. Who is there really understanding your skin type, your hair type? You cannot uh, diversify or include until this industry is diversified and inclusive. This is the next phase of our work and this is a work that I'm committed to and this is a very important moment in time. The changes we are seeing in society and media are seismic and we're constantly reminded that representation matters and inspires courage in so many young people. When you see that Kamala Harris is on a major ticket to, to be next in line to a president, I mean, I cannot tell you the joy that brings me. And there are so many more firsts that have to happen. And if our work in the fashion industry inspires people, to make changes. Well, we just got to keep doing what we're doing. And you got to like pick up that magazine and you got to see yourself when uh, Lapita won uh, her Academy Award. The next day she was, she referred to Alec Weck. And she said that when she was 10 years old, she opened up American Vogue and saw Alec Weck and she saw herself. And she knew that that was the moment to dream big. And that, hearing that for me, was an, another aha moment, that the work that we were doing was important, that elevating our talent to be seen was very important. You don't know who you're going to inspire. You don't know who the next president of the United States is. And think of like all the young girls out there on Tuesday when this announcement came. I mean, these, these things are so important and so profound, and there's so many more firsts. And, and I just think staying where I am in the fashion industry and keep fostering and mentoring new generations, I think that's actually what I need to do. Emily Titonato began modeling at a very early age after being scouted in a mall. She exploded onto the scene and has been seen on runways, television commercials, and billboards all over the world. While this story is not common, she's remained grounded and built a massive and devoted following on social media, where she has been very honest, authentic, and accessible. Hi, Emily. Hi, thank you for having me. 
a lot of girls who are out there are inspired by you and love seeing you on covers and advertising and on YouTube, on TikTok. You're the queen of social media. You really put yourself out there. Let's talk about social media for a sec here. And I love this subject matter because social media is a curated space where we as public figures um, are able to, whether to be influencers, to be advertisers, to or just to put stuff that's fun out there. And I know that you've been on socials from the very beginning, really reaching out to your audience. How much of that do you feel is authentic for you? I won't lie. When I first started diving into social media and taking it more seriously, nothing felt authentic. It all felt forced. You start doing it and you feel like, oh my God, I feel silly. Does anyone care? You know, and, but I felt like I wanted to start sharing more because I always felt like with my fashion career, I could only share so much. It was two dimensional images and, you know, social media wasn't even really a thing when I, when I started. So nothing felt right, but I knew that I had to keep trying and testing things. And that's what I still focus on today. I say, no one might care about this conversation I might have. No one might care, but I care. And that's about how to find your authentic content and what you want to share with people. So I guess I kind of answer your question by saying nothing felt right or authentic, but now everything I put out, as long as I care about it and I want to share it with people, that's all that matters. And that's a great advice for everyone out there because truly the modeling landscape has changed so much. We started around the same time, actually. I remember we started around the same time, so we're dating ourselves a little bit there. But, <laughs> but back in the day, it's truly about this agent relationship with the model and then the agent relationship with the photographer and that perfect pyramid triangle when they all meet together, you get to join together and do these photo shoots. But it's unlike that now, because I know in the last five years, casting for any kind of campaigns or, or photo shoots, we do look at your social media. And I know that in the beginning, it was a number game, right? It was a numbers game. Do you have 5 million followers or do you have 1 million followers? And that number game became incredibly stressful for models, incredibly stressful for photographers. I wanted to go through that with you. When you started, it wasn't an overnight, wow, millions of followers. People care what I have to say. What was that for you mentally? Because I can tell you the Gen Zs are going through that all over again. Actually, in the beginning, I didn't know what I was doing, but I will say in the beginning, it felt a little bit more fun, right? You, I was like, here's a picture of this tree that I think is great with this super sepia filter. And I hope you guys like it. <laughs> and I didn't care. I was just like, you know, this is my life and all the little things that are happening. But then obviously things became more serious. Numbers became more important and all of that. And I've definitely struggled with trying to figure out, you know, is it important to have a gazillion followers or is it more important to share content that is authentic to me that I care about? And, you know, those people who really care about what I say, that's all that matters. That core group that tune in every time you do an Instagram live, even with my YouTube channel, the same people comment every single time. And I'm like, these are like my number one fans. And as long as they care and they're listening and I care, then that's all I care about. It's such a hamster wheel being like, I need more followers, more followers. It'll never be enough. I'll never have as much as Kylie Jenner. I don't think, you know what I mean? <laughs> but that's not what matters and you'll never be happy. I love that, that notion because truly, if we can bridge a gap between the digital world and the reality, right? And what you just said is so important. When we meet people in real life, we gather with friends. They're the one you call when you're crying with your relationship problem or you call because you want to meet someone, right? Or you want to talk about your first date. And we don't get to do that very often on social media. 
because it's not a back and forth. However, if we can bridge a little bit of that gap where your followers, and I, can't, I don't even like the word followers, right? Your fans. Your, we call them fans in Asia. We don't call them followers. They're actually fan base. Your fan base are people that you know champion for you and who you are and wanting to go through the struggle with you. I think it really does empower us who yeah. are putting content out there, right? Yes. I mean, I think that calling them fans, calling them followers, you know, the people who tune in, I love it because they're really paying attention. Like I've had people literally comment, like you said, you use like this protein powder, but in this video, you use a different protein powder. And I need you to explain why did you change? Why did you say that? And it even keeps me in check. I'm like, Oh my God, people like really care about what I'm saying and what I'm going through. And I think another really cool thing is like, I've been doing social media long enough and investing my time in it long enough. People have seen when I first started dating my husband to getting engaged, to getting married and all these phases and people are investing. Now everyone's like, when are you having a baby? Like they are in tune and know what's going on. And sometimes it's a lot, but I, but it's also like really, really awesome. It's very unique. How do you begin to filter out what you want to keep private? How do you begin to not overshare? Again, it goes back to what feels authentic and what I feel excited about and what feels positive to me and something positive to put out there. That's one thing I always focus on. Is it positive? You know, am I sharing something that's funny or light or, you know, something that made me laugh? I try not to share anything that's like too, you know, my husband has a job where he he works in finance. Um, You know, I'm not going to be sharing him like in our most intimate moments, right? Like that's not going to help him. Even sometimes I slip and I'll post something. He's like, Emily, my coworkers follow you. (laughs) I'm like, oh crap, sorry. But you know, I just like, I actually have to say every day, something that I do gauge, right? Like, do I want to share this? I have to be thoughtful about it. Maybe that's because, you know, people are watching, they're listening. You know, I I am thoughtful about what I put out there. So every day it's like I'm learning and trying to figure out what's right. Do you want your, your fan base to ever see the unhappiness moments in Emily's life? Well, yes, of course. I, I pick and choose those moments because I feel like it's a fine line between being like, hey, this is something that I'm going through and something I've struggled with. Like, for example, when I posted my body positivity video on YouTube a little over a year ago and that got a lot of traction and it was something that I hadn't shared with many people. But I think there's a difference between doing that and saying, hey, here's something I've struggled with. Here's how I processed it or I'm still processing it and something I struggle with and what's happening versus, you know, using social media as a place to you know, I've seen people kind of use social as a place to complain, be like, I was in line at Zara and this, that. like, it's like, whatever, no one cares, everyone goes see that stuff. But I think sharing things that I feel like will hopefully be impactful to my followers and hopefully help them in some way. And I think in general, with all of the content that I put out there, I hope that I either entertain or help. The Gen Z world has definitely taken on the social media in a completely different way. I will go on to IG Live and watch other people's IGs and also TikTok Live. And it's fascinating for me to watch because they are literally talking to a digital device as if they were their most intimate best friend. But I realized that this device has become so many people's surrogate as their confidant, as their, their therapy. It's incredible. For a model whose image is always portrayed as perfection, Emily uses her platform to open up about her insecurities. Her take on body positivity reveals her real beauty. And you share one post that I absolutely love and I want to talk about because it's really what has reshaped me as a photographer. 
it has really changed me. And that is you post a video about what makes me a model or what makes a supermodel. And in that post, you're like, well, have a lazy eye, <laughs> have a wide hip. You said everything that we in the industry, all the things that we push away from, we hide it under the carpet. There are things that everybody talks about behind your back. You put it right out there front and center. And I was so proud of you to seeing that because we need to talk about those things. Let's talk about those struggles and, and those struggles that shift you. Totally. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for watching that and for appreciating, especially coming from a photographer. You know, oftentimes we work together, you know, coming onto a set. Sometimes I care very much what someone like you would think about or perceive, right, on the day that I walk into a shoot. And of course, I still do care about that. The people in our industry perceive me, how I look, like that hasn't gone away because it's very much tethered to my job, my worth, and something that I, you know, struggle with all the time. But there was something kind of quite freeing about being like, you know, I look like this in a magazine or a commercial, but I also have all these other things going on. I have cellulite, I have hips, like I have a lazy eye. I don't have a perfectly flat stomach ever to be honest. Like I have to work so hard to even one lump of an ab or whatever. It's so hard. But I think people look at models and see Instagram and I'm guilty of it too. You put out this perfect image, you know, in this perfect outfit and none of that shows. But I also think TikTok is a bit of a better place for me to be able to show those things for some reason. The difference between TikTok, YouTube and Instagram, Instagram's a bit more polished, right? It's like, here's my perfect breakfast outfit and, you know, but then TikTok, they can see through the bullshit, right? And you on TikTok can really self and they love it. And I was just kind of like, you know what? This is who I am. I'm a model. You might've seen me here and there, but I'm like you, I'm human. I'm flesh. I have these flaws. And just to remember that, to remember that when they look at magazines and they look at commercials, when they feel bad, maybe when they look to see a perfect girl in a bikini on Instagram, a lot goes behind every single picture. We all, we know that, but not everyone knows that. And we experienced that together. I remember a photo shoot for a Glamour magazine cover, and we had been trying to work together since a few years past that we did Sports Illustrated together. And it was, it's an interesting conversation to have because I'm being as transparent as I can. I remember trying to book you and your agent just said, you're not available. And I remember texting you and saying, do you not like me anymore? And you were quite quiet about it. You're like, you know, my agent kind of works on my schedule. Then I, I called the agency and point blank and said, what the hell is going on? And they said, well, we want you to have the best of Emily and she's not a size two right now. And I went, do you know you're talking to you side who doesn't really celebrate size two? <laughs> and that was, and they're like, what? I go, whatever she's at, bring her on set. I'm going to have the best stylist on set, the best hair and makeup on set. We're going to make her feel the best. And I think that's what people don't realize in our business. As a photographer, I can speak for myself. is that to make whoever our subject matter is most beautiful, most comfortable, and most confident. Because it does come through the lens and all that no bullshit stuff that that gen z sees the consumer are smart enough to see the yeah. fake photoshop the twists and turns we try to make a perfect picture so i remember working on set that day and you pull me aside you're like so you sigh i just saw the rack and i go i know i said this brand and this brand they only make size two and they're not going to be okay but don't worry we're going to shoot beauty with those oh we're going to shoot this one really accentuate your leg and you know what i want to show your hip this dress will do that and that's what makes I think our relationship beautiful because and that's what it should be for hopefully for all photo shoots right 
Totally. I appreciated that so much when you did that. And I specifically remember that as well, because when I went through this journey, when I realized I gave up on trying to be zero and then I gave up on trying to do, and sometimes I'm even giving up on being a four these days because I'm like, it's just my body is changing, evolving. But I remember being so over communicative about that with IMG and anyone that I was working with, because I was like, I would rather you think and know exactly what's going on here and what you're going to get. I don't want lies want fake measurements or a Polaroid from four years ago and then I roll up oh so, well what the heck is this I need people to know what I look like I was like I would rather not get the job than show up and people be surprised by what they were getting and it was still I mean even when we shot that you saw that was like a few years ago it was still a time where now it's getting so much better in terms of body diversity in our industry but it still was not super accepted I still to this day I show up to sets and they're surprises people go like oh I thought you were this I'm like I'm not. Now it's a lot easier. I'm like, listen, it's not going to fit. I'm looking at that and I know, like, let's not even go there. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's funny how things evolve. And then I would feel so guilty. You know, I probably pulled you aside and said like, oh, I feel nervous. I feel bad because I feel so guilty and ashamed. It's gotten better with age and time. You know, now I feel like I work with people who know exactly who I am. And like, I feel like they know exactly what they're getting. It wasn't always peace. And like it's gotten easier, but there's still times where I come on set and I'm the biggest model there. And I'm like, Oh, I feel like I'm not fitting this mold. Not definitely not going to fit into those leather pants and what's going to happen. I mean, the things that have happened on photo shoots to get me to fit into a pair of pants. Like I've been through it. <laughs> like all of it. Like I'm lucky and blessed that now I'm at a point in my career where it's like, listen, this is what, where I'm at. And this is what you're going to get. Not everyone is in that position. It's, but I realize that I am. But I think having these conversations, also putting yourself out there, that you garner the conversation, you garner the situation where you can say, well, you want me to fit into that brand? Make the size that fits me, right? Isn't that the, the paradigm that we're beginning to try to shift and change? It's, it's not the, that's kind of our responsibility. And we can only champion and hope the brands that will step up and be more inclusive. We begin to see that. We see what Rihanna's doing. Uh, we see IMG doing plus size male model, or we call them hunky models, I think that's the name. <laughs> I love it. So soon enough, they're gonna have short Asian dark skin model outside. In fashion, women have often been objectified in their role as a muse for photographers, designers, and artists. As women take on more ownership of their bodies, attitudes of respect and understanding in the industry have dramatically evolved. You are known as an American model. And in Europe, there was a period of time where like Hilary Rhoda, you were like the celebrated America <laughs> representation, right? You guys were in pictures together and you shot covers together. And there was a moment you shot for Paris Vogue. Yes. And I was so young as a photographer at the time. I think I was maybe six years into it. And when I opened Paris Vogue and I saw the first picture I've ever seen you nude. <laughs> and it took me back a little bit. I, I took a step back. And not because it wasn't absolutely gorgeous, but because there's this notion that American culture is very different than European culture. And to be a fashion photographer or fashion model to saddle both worlds, you kind of have to blur your own line or the line that you draw on the sand. Was that something that was difficult for you or something that you had to think about? 
yeah, I definitely didn't feel pressured. But what I will say is that I, I started quite young in this industry. And I think that I became quite desensitized to nudity, others, including myself, because models are always naked. And you know that we're always naked, changing. It's something that I have had to reel in for myself to be like, oh my God, like I need to get behind a board and change because you're naked in front of strangers all the time. Stylists, hair, makeup. I mean, we just change and we go about our business and we're doing our work. And as I got a little bit older, I was like, oh my God, like I need to be like more thoughtful of this. You know, I'm not everyone is on my side. Not everyone is totally cool with this and stuff like that. But then when I started shooting nude, I did it when I was younger. And I think honestly, if I could go back, I love those pictures so much, but if I could go back, I think I was so young and impressionable and I just wanted to do a good job. And I think when people were like, Oh, this is the picture. Like there's just no shirt. I was just like, okay, like that's fine. I didn't put thought into it. And like I said, because I was totally desensitized to it. I think today as an almost 30 year old woman, I would maybe put a little bit more thought into it. I will say that. For a photographer, for me, I too, like you, looking back at the things I've created and done over time, that we have to hold ourselves accountable for those situations. It is, it is encapsulated into a period of time that things was happening, right? And I, I do love the fact to see now women are much more empowered to express their sexuality or non-sexuality in a way that I haven't yet seen in, in my entire career in, in this business. It's... And I celebrate it and I love it. And you and I both know that I have always, always celebrated curvy, if we're gonna call it that. I think it's called normal, guys. Um, <laughs> but you know, industry, we go through this, right? We go through this different notions of how should we behave to each other? How do we communicate with each other? And as a photographer, I know that we are going through an incredible learning process. I had to go through that because I came from the breed of that generation of sexy is the only thing that sells. And I had a reputation that if you're going to show up on site set, you better be ready and, and uninhibited and just celebrate your nudity. But you know what? When I go back and start thinking about that now is that it is part of the problem because I am assuming that women should know and respect me, right? The word respect carefully, respect me to be naked because they want to work with me. But I tell you, the time have changed and we begin to see that in the reflection of different magazines. And when I see magazine, when I open, when I see a beautiful models warning, just even say warning, choose to celebrate their body a certain way, whether it's nudity, whether it's showing their hip, whether it's showing the cellulite, I am so proud to have totally. been on this journey. I remember working with you for the very first time and we just was illustrated together. We were in Switzerland, the most beautiful location. Our first shot was on the top of a mountain opposite of the Matterhorn. It was so cold and there were so many tourists. When you see Emily standing, posing beautiful in almost nothing, there's hundreds of people. <laughs> Hundreds of people cropped out on the edge of the photos. We should really do a book showing that. <laughs> so talk about confidence. Talk about talk about owning it, right? But the thing was that I met you for the very first time. I had a preconceptual idea. Oh, Emily the nudes. Emily's just go up there and do it. And I remember I looked over across. 
And I saw you, you were a bit nervous. You were talking to MJ, like, it is so cold out here. I'm not sure what I'm wearing. I'm comfortable with it because I'm not sure the styling. It wasn't because the choice of how big or small, but you were obviously not 100% comfortable. Then I realized when you were talking to MJ, and I'm very much this person, I saw you talking, I saw you look over to me, and I saw you talking, and you saw you look over to me, and I, I went, oh, she needs to be comfortable with me. She <laughs> needs to know I'm going to celebrate her. Do you remember what I did? Yes, of course I remember what you did. You stripped down into your underwear, and we shot up there together. <laughs> and you know what? I, probably so inappropriate to do now these days, but, but I did not know. I mean, first of all, I couldn't scream. I was worried about screaming too loud. The snow avalanche would start falling because we were on top of snowy mountain. But it was an incredible moment for me. And it was such an incredible learning lesson for me. And I, so I want to thank you for that. To always remember and check out humility. Check that it doesn't matter what position we're in. That somebody else has their own journey. And just because they have done something elsewhere, it doesn't mean they're going to share that moment with you. And that is something we don't give models credit for. Because it is a relationship. It is that yes. fast dance that you have to do together for eight hours, 10 hours, or for shorter than that, if we're lucky on set. But but I want to thank you for giving me that lesson to know that I too have to be that vulnerable and, <laughs> and strip naked. I think after that was so liberated, I stripped naked a lot on that shoot. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know that it had that much of an impact on you, but I think if anyone can take away from this conversation as a photographer, definitely tune into what your subject model is feeling their body language who are they talking to are they hiding are they you know because oftentimes models are young so it's hard to speak up and I wasn't that young at the time but I think for myself it's always difficult to be honest about how I'm feeling because I want to do a good job and as the model you are kind of the nucleus on a shoot people are revolving around if your energy is low everyone everyone's energy is low if your energy is high people are pumped for myself, I'm speaking, I don't want to let people down by saying like, I'm not feeling great right now. You know, I don't feel good. I'm not, I'm not in this moment yet. And everyone else is, and I feel bad. You know what I mean? So I think, you know, being mindful about how the model is feeling or are they comfortable and all those things is, is really, really important. The pressure of working in an industry where judgment and scrutiny is an occupational hazard can be daunting even for a supermodel. For aspiring young women, Emily sets a positive example. What gave you the strength to be able to not get depressed? Because so many people tell us we're not good enough in this industry. We are in the most judgmental industry, one of the most, not the only, but one of the most, most judgmental industry. And sometimes you show up and you are so defeated. Whether it's a pair of jeans, whether it's the lighting that did not work for you, whether it's you have a zit. For me, same thing. Whether conceptually I had an idea and I just cannot nail it. Or the model and I just did not click. It does happen, guys. Um, yeah. The stylist had a different vision and you have a different vision. And you go home. And as an artist, because you are an artist, you are, you are a sculpture, you're an artist. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I mean, how do I avoid that? I, there have been times when I just simply don't, right? Like there have been I've gone to that I've, I've flown all the way to Europe for a campaign and got sent home immediately like I arrived to Milan I tried on clothes and they were like go home you're too fat and it was so depressing I don't know how else to put it I was like I just flew 10 hours to get here and you know what I did let myself kind of feel a little sorry for myself I spent a lot of time getting somewhere and trying to do something 
you know, I think there's one element of it where it's like, you know, if you feel bummed about something and sad about something and you need to go through that, go through that. But I also think that I've been lucky enough to reach a point in my life, you know, emotionally and spiritually, I want to call it where I say, just because someone thinks that about me or just because someone thinks I'm fat or they think I'm too curvy or athletic, that doesn't mean that I am. And that doesn't mean that I need to believe that and carry that with me. If that person thinks that way, that's on them. But I think I look good. I like the way I look in clothes. I do just fine. Granted, I'm not wearing a double zero. You know what I mean? But I think the most important thing is like something I've learned being in our industry, like you said, it's a tough crowd sometimes. And they, they don't hold back. You know, when someone says something negative about me, I just try not to take it personally because it's not always about me. You know, when a stylist is pissed off because I don't fit into a leather pant, now I think like she's not mad because she's looking at me like, oh, you're fat. She's mad because she needs to shoot that pair of pants because that advertiser is paying for that pair of pants to be in this specific editorial. So I kind of allow myself to kind of go into work mode and go like, this isn't because she's so mad about like the size of my hip. She's problem solving and trying to figure out how she's going to make this work because we do indeed need to figure out how to shoot these pants somehow. I'm going to wear these pants on my head if I have to, because it has to happen. So, and I've seen those photos, actually, wrapped up in the <laughs> turban. I loved it. That was one creative way to solve that problem. Advertiser, check. <laughs> exactly. So it's kind of both of those. Sometimes I just allow myself to go through the feeling. Some days I do just don't wake up and you don't feel great. You don't feel confident. It happens whether I'm going to work or not sometimes. And the other element is just trying not to take it so personally. Remember, try to think about what that person's going through, what they're trying to figure out. It is not an easy industry to sustain, especially for age as well. As you've gotten older, I'm sure you question, how long would I stay in this industry? Definitely. I can't believe I've been here this long. The amount of people who would say like, oh, well, you know, that doesn't last. Like once you're 25, it's all over. And like once you're 30, it's all over. Well, I'm going to be 30 in a few months. I mean, I'm still kicking as much as you can given the current times. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely age is definitely something that feels heightened for sure for me, the, the, the process. You know, I definitely zero in on the changes that I see, but I'm human, you know, I have to remember that. I want to thank Evan Bart and Emily DiTonato for talking with me about the power of representation in the fashion and beauty industry and having the strength to hold yourself and others accountable. Thank you to all my listeners for your constant support. Please subscribe to this podcast for more open conversations. You can visit our website at letstalkwithusai.com and follow me on Instagram at usai88 for updates. Let's Talk is a production of 88 Phases. I'm your host, Yusai. Our director, Louis Jaime. And writer, editor, and producer, Trevor Swanjit.